0: welcome to the barbell strikes back i'm your host james mcdermott and my good friend danny casey just like luke skywalker before him in episode six of the original trilogy returns to the show to join me today danny is the head (laughs) coach and owner of the new york weightlifting academy located in new york state danny how are you doing dude i'm great thank you again it's great to be on again i'm happy to get you on Uh, danny are you a star wars fan at all you want to know something wild? I have not seen but one Star
1: Wars episode.
0: Oh my goodness!
1: I couldn't begin to even tell. You. All I, I I saw one small part where I guess they were in like the trash compactor or something like that. And now that, yep. that's that's the that's my my deepest foray into the uh, into the uh, the franchise of Star
0: Wars. Hey, well, I guess one could argue that this show is kind of your deepest foray into it in some very uh, like small that. way. Okay. Wow. Look at that. I mean, so, it's not, it's not the movie. It's, you know, that's a great scene.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: But yeah. Oh, well, Hey, we got, like, we, we got to get, you, get quite, you on that.
1: Trash compactor?
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Don't do that. Hold yourself in high regards.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, if, if, if you got to watch the whole movie and then when you do, you know, there's so many little gems of scenes throughout all okay. these movies. And that, that actually is like a, a really good scene because there's a lot that leads up before it's where they rescue the princess. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of stuff going on. Okay. Um, so and then right after it see i can't tell you anything i'd be spoiling so much yeah. because so much hinges around that one scene you're actually kind of making me realize the importance of it and it's kind really? of it's kind of funny of like uh you never really look at like a movie or a play or a subject and isolate one scene and realize all that went on around it and it all of a sudden makes it more significant yeah
1: yeah it kind of interesting uh, i am a growing contingent of those who want me to uh who, who, are, who want me to watch the movies or at least get start venturing
0: into them because I can't believe I've never seen them. So I might have to uh, make it a group event. Yeah. I mean, my, my recommendation is start with the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. So from, okay. from, from the seventies and eighties, start with those, even though the, the episode quote, you know, number is, is off. Yeah. Then go back and watch the prequels. Okay. Which you may or may not enjoy. It's a, it's a, a certain, you know, you have to have a certain taste for it to enjoy those. Mm. Um, and then I would not recommend watching the new ones. I'm just going to say it. Just th- don't, I, don't waste
1: your time. Don't waste I've your been time. Actually, similar advice on that with discussions that I've had with people. Like, well, this one. Then they tried to pull this one in, but it just didn't work. So, uh, all right, I could. Yeah. I mean, I think start with the original and go from there. Maybe do it in uh, uh, a and, and take a chronological approach to it.
0: Yeah, do, do it in the order that they came out. And then if you really want to treat yourself after that, if you're really involved and into it, you're like, you know what? I need a little more Star Wars in my life. Uh, watch The Mandalorian because okay. that has been outstanding. I don't know if you've heard about that show that's been out. It came out last yeah, well, year. I've been saying they've really enjoyed it. Yeah, so. it's, it's it's saving the franchise uh, right now. So, Is it really? Okay. Yeah, at least it, it's, uh, it's holding the interest of diehard fans who were completely... Um, you know, alienated from the brand new trilogy, <laughs> which again, don't watch it. You're you're a busy man, I know. Uh, okay. I, I wouldn't want to waste your time.
1: There must be time for some of these things. So, it's exactly, uh, exactly. at least from a cultural standpoint, it'll give me a little deeper resource to have discussions about and with. So it's it's all got value.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Now, Danny how, Danny, how have things been going with the gym? You know, we're open in New York State again. And I'm sure you're getting people into the gym lifting barbells. Uh, what's it been like reopening for the New York Weightlifting Academy?
1: Um, honestly, it's, it's it hasn't been bad to, quote, reopen. Uh, and the reason I say that is because most people have, have for the most of our athletes have really ventured back into it. And a lot of those were either training at home or found different ways that they could get some sort of training in. And uh, it's it's been good. So everyone's been working back into it, getting back to, so where they were basically a lot of people have been making records again so uh so far so good no i don't really have any complaints how things have been so far
0: isn't that such a fun part when people start making records again and setting up yeah, prs there, there was a time there throughout the quarantine where there was like know, a drought The
1: week it's like chill out <laughs> let things happen
0: yeah now um what what were your considerations for programming when people were away from the gym you know, did you have people having uh, individual assignments? Or was it kind of like, okay, we're all going to do this group program, just to kind of keep our lifting sharp. And also based on what equipment everybody has? What, what was your, your mindset and approach to that programming?
1: Well, usually, all, all my programming to begin with is is individual. So uh, I mean, I continue. obviously, that's just the methodology that I employ. So I continue with that but it was really then within the confines of what someone could do at home and that what someone could do on their own without concern that they're going to start developing habits or stuff. So, i.e. keeping people from going haywire and killing themselves on their own. So, establishing a, 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 a regulatory nature to their training to help benefit what they need to work on without creating further issues. And then, again, at the same time, being able to adapt to the equipment that they have at home or if I've, they were lucky enough to work they have a full set and like essentially a pretty decent setup then okay i could push a little bit more so it was uh, again very individualized basis for a variety of reasons but they've everyone pulled through everyone worked out pretty decently all things considered
0: were they just sending you videos of their lifts
1: oh yeah we would text they'd send videos of when they were lifting facetime with a bunch of people during their training So it wasn't, it wasn't too far removed per se. I mean, an in-person, I mean, still, even though technology is good, nothing like an in-person element of, or in-person environment of training. I mean, it's one thing that, I mean, you you could be very close with, with FaceTiming or live feed, but uh, it just, it just doesn't have the same novelty that an in-person environment has to be able to be a little bit more adaptive, to be able to make tactile corrections, uh, to be able to show or give visual explanations so it has its limitations but it it served as a helpful tool to be able to accomplish these things
0: yeah i agree you know i mean i have a couple remote lifters and i'll see their videos you know in text Mm -hmm. but then when i get to see them in person it's it's like this is totally different you're you're in the moment with your lifter when you're there in person versus on the phone it's like you're just removed you're in a room somewhere and you just mm-hmm. don't get the same feel for the gym. You, you don't see the little subtle nuances in their movement. I am always surprised where yeah. I'll see someone in person and I haven't seen them in a while in person. And I'm like, your, your hips are not where I was perceiving them to be on your start mm-hmm. position, for example, yeah. over the phone. Because you're like this big, you know, oh, you're like this sure. big on the phone versus <laughs> now I see the real deal.
1: Yeah. And, then, and the biggest too is just uh, the energy and the environment, the atmosphere. I mean, that makes a big difference. It's 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 boring coaching on a phone, it's boring training while you're on the phone. It's I think actually a little bit more distracting to a certain degree for the lifter to be trying to go through the, the medium of a telephone. It like you can't you can't employ as much focus as you normally would as in person. So uh, and, and again too, like I said, the 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 atmosphere makes all the difference. You feed off the coach athlete, other, other athletes, they have like energy that within that's within the room that they feed off of. And you just don't have that when you're isolated.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure having you there in front of them, your, your presence is felt, you know, so like now they're going to try a little harder on that lift versus Mm -hmm. you're on the phone and they know you're there, but it's, it's not the same, you know?
1: No, no, that's technology will never replace the physical world that we live in. And the, this, the, uh, I guess, um, I don't know what the word would be for, but the, uh, blanking on at the moment, but the, the, the natural instincts and tendencies that we have
0: like interacting and socializing. So that's just, it can't be duplicated. Now, when, when you're coaching back in the gym, um, do you find that some of that is lost? Some of the, the communication is more difficult, uh, with mask. Like I know, like I'm, I'm masked up when I'm coaching the vast majority of time. So people yeah. can't can't see the words you know like when i'm speaking and also like they can't pick up on like whether or not you're joking as easily or 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 this or that like are you finding there's kind of like a barrier to communication right now because of the cloth
1: um well masking definitely makes things different that's for sure Uh, i mean obviously the words coming out of your mouth go a long ways but then you're getting like uh, your 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 countenance while explaining things like let's say the other day (laughs) for for example, I was in the grocery store. I just just for the fun of it, like just jokingly, I, I'd ram into someone else's cart that were walking alongside of me and then I'd laugh and just be like, I'm just kidding, having fun. But the, <laughs> you, can't, you can't tell because you got the mask on. It's like, why is this guy ramming me? But if, you know, if someone rams you with a mask on, you can't tell. If you, so I ram you and I'm smiling, laughing about it. Okay, it's, it's more disarming that way. So you kind of lose that. Uh, but and, and I think the same with, with coaching in that sense that people who do that uh, lose... Uh, you, you lose, I guess, contextual clues or you, your emotional cues that you may have through that, or, or other lifters can hide things a little bit with maybe the stain of their face or so. So I think, I mean, it's it's artificial, and it, it again, it's another limitation. It's just it's, it's it's better than let's say doing a doing an online coaching session. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not—it's not real. It, it's, its 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 an arbitrary um, limitation on what we're truly able to do, which in our natural tendencies and instincts.
0: Yeah, we're—we're we're gonna have to get really good at showing more with our eyes, you know, um, mm-hmm. in, in intent, you know, squinting, oh, big eyes, the, you know,
1: clear masks now. So it's like just like this clear face shield that that you could see the person's whole face.
0: So, but. Yeah, that I mean, might be that might be something to look into.
1: I was thinking of getting the Silence of the Lambs mask and wearing that. I thought that would be pretty nice.
0: Yeah, you should.
1: If I, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to at least look, if I'm gonna wear a mask. I want to look like a nut job wearing it.
0: So. Exactly. At one point, I was looking uh, for Bane's bat mask from oh, uh, The exactly. Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, I, I yeah. couldn't find a good one though, so I need to probably search harder.
1: Yeah, you got you to get the real one. You got to invest for like the uh, the, <laughs> the movie yeah. replica or
0: something like that. Yeah, just be wheezing the whole time. It sounds like I just did a CrossFit workout. Yeah,
1: why are you talking like that? Uh, <laughs> I that,
0: can't believe. That'd be great. Now, yeah. when, with your athletes returning back into the gym and yeah. everyone's getting around each other now, uh, did you have to change your programming much to get people who took some serious time off reacclimated to weightlifting, uh, if there were any of those people? And then if mm-hmm. so, kind of how did you ease them back into training?
1: Um, there, really anyone who did that, they were just so eager to get back. They want to do everything. And the only way that I really uh, augmented their, uh, let's say a normal training protocol was just obviously greatly altering the load and rep scheme that they were doing. So I, uh, approached it. I approached it almost as if, let's say someone was coming off of like injury or a long break to where they're working at, I mean, just a couple sets, a little, a uh, couple of sets, couple of reps with a light load, just move through it to where I wanted my goal for at least the first week of new people was feeling like they were doing way too little. And then uh, just after that, just gradually increase a little more, a little more and try to regulate it to where so that way, ideally that no one felt at any point that they got hit by a bus to where it felt the next day felt like, yeah, I actually feel really good. I didn't feel like I did anything. So, right good. That's what I want. And it just kept building up through there. And it was just it was a it was linear, but it was a very quick progression. And that seemed to work really well to get everybody right back on track.
0: Yeah, keep them, keep them hungry for more.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's 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 one thing to, I mean, you got to ease people ease physically into it, you ease their nervous system back into it. So, uh, and, and the fresher they are for each subsequent session, the quicker the progression is going to be. It's one thing to want to do something immediately in one session, but again, over the course of a month, everything's going to add up.
0: Yeah, and you can't just throw everything back into training like you were doing before a full a full Mm -hmm. schedule I guess um, unless they were continuing that full schedule during the lockdown I know for us when everyone got back in the room we were just focusing on just the lifts you know a lot of practicing a lot of doing of the lifts but there was no squat program with that there were were no deadlifts there were no presses and then gradually over a couple training cycles started to add one piece back in at a time until right now now yeah. we're finally back at a full training mm-hmm. schedule leading up to a meet in december okay
1: so good where's that gonna be
0: uh that's gonna be at a uh, swagler strength of performance oh Oregon. yeah
1: okay what
0: um is he limiting capacity on the meet or what's his uh, i believe 30 30 men and 30 ladies uh okay. so 30 total is gonna be the cutoff you should you should bring some people out there yeah what's what's the date for it uh december 12th which is a saturday
1: okay that might be possible um uh, I'm wondering. I'm supposed to be going down to the weekend before. That would be to go for the the whole nationals USA weightlifting everything event. Oh, um, okay, yeah, you're going to be at that. provided they have it. I mean, I'm I'm almost inclined to believe that that's going to be canceled and move to like a, a digital or online format. I don't know, but I mean, it's getting close. I mean, maybe they will have it. Who knows? But uh, we'll see. But yeah, I'm going to go there. I have a, a lifter who's going to be competing for the in in the youth in youth nationals so
0: very cool yeah i i haven't looked into that too much on how they're going to break it down like like how do you decide who the national champion is versus who the american open champion is or yeah. are you if you just win the whole thing are you both i, I don't know how any of that's working
1: yeah i i'm really not too sure either unless they do it via like let's say just simply registration if you want to register for one or both i know for I think for what they were going to do for masters this year, because they canceled masters worlds and everything got canceled, but there was a point where they were going to combine them both. They were going to have it where the lifter, even if you were registered for, for nationals and for worlds, they would take, you would lift one session, but your score would be applied to each. And that's okay. how they would lineate what, I guess, whatever your placement would have been. So I'm assuming maybe the same. <laughs> yeah, maybe.
0: Unless, I mean, unless I they
1: just limit what you can do. I'm not really too
0: sure. I actually just got an email yesterday asking if um I want to go down to be a, a TO. Okay. Um, but, but the the problem would be though, like I, I would love to do that. That'd be interesting to do. But then when I come back, I'd have to quarantine for 14 days, which yeah. means I'm out of the gym, and also I wouldn't be able to go to the Swaggler meet. So mm-hmm. I'm out. I know that's <laughs> that's frozen. also
1: another big consideration. Is that I don't want to have to go. I don't want to be down there then I have to come back and quarantine because it's like now that's going to really put me out in a lot of ways so it's it's everything's just so tricky with it
0: yeah well i mean i hope it doesn't get canceled you know i know a lot of people are looking forward to it Mm -hmm. and i know you know the the quote conspiracy theory is that usa weightlifting is just kind of dragging us on to turn it into an online meet last second kind of like what's happened before and i would hope that they don't do that because i feel like they would lose a lot of trust in signing up for these meets if they did that. You know, I feel like if you've got the opportunity to do it, you might as well.
1: Well, I haven't heard much about that. So what what's the the word is that they're basically holding out to say it's going to be an online meet at the last minute to make sure they get everybody registered.
0: Yeah, registered and paying money, you know. That, oh, that's, yeah,
1: that's exactly that's the obvious reason, because if it's going to be online, people are going to be like, ah, I don't care to do it.
0: Yeah. So now it's like, OK, if, if you already registered, now there's an increased likelihood that you'll be like, okay, convert me over to the online meet and I'll just do it since it's well, becoming that's, the that's norm. Right.
1: Yeah. So when, uh, when my lifter's father registered him, he said, I think it was like hundred bucks for non-refundable registration, 200 for a refundable registration. So the, uh, it's, I'm sure the organization's hurting for money this year and they're trying to get a scap it up any which way that they can.
0: Wow. Uh, so, so you're going to, they have an option that you can pay an extra hundred dollars just just to have the opportunity to get a refund later on. Yeah, I believe so. But you're still I out the extra.
1: Part of myself, that's what he told me, but yeah, that's that's a great way to capitalize. I mean, you're paying to
0: see if people want to pay that insurance. I I, I guess so, you know. I mean, like I I'm typically not one to buy insurance. Like if I buy something at mm-hmm. the store, like the appliance, they yeah. like, do you want the warranty? No. I don't yeah, want warranty.
1: It's usually a money-making scheme which again in this instance will be I, I, yeah. So, I mean, if they're doing, I would, I would be inclined to believe that looking at the numbers of registrants, if let's say three quarters of those people registered with the the intent or the the option to be able to get a refund, they would be very inclined to make sure that the event goes on at all costs. If it's only a handful of people, then they could easily cancel it and make it make it an online meet, which I'm sure would save them more money than they would probably make in the other in the other situation.
0: Yeah. Well, what's your opinion on online meets in general like this does it take away from the prestige at all of the event you know like uh are, is it still of the same caliber of being like national or pan-american or world like what, what are your thoughts on this
1: to me that's not competing i i just don't care to do it an online if if i'm going to do an online meet i'd rather do no meet because you, you know, you've competed you know how competition is it's just yeah. it's, everything everything about it is, is completely different. You're, even if you have a little bit of pressure or doing it with other people in your own gym or uh, your own environment, it's just, it's not the same. You don't have the officials there. You don't have the warm ups, the energy, the spectators, it's the different, the venue, everything. You don't know how mentally you're going to be feeling that day. I mean, your entire routine is different between when you wake up, when you have to have to drive somewhere, fly somewhere, travel, different bed, whatever it may be. I mean, those are all factors that, that, that is competing. That's, that's the whole milieu of, or the entire uh, component of, of what makes competition so intense and so invigorating. You wake up and do it at your own time and set your own times to do it. You don't have that pressure. You don't have that extra bit of discomfort that forces you to, you Well, know, whatever forces out of you that day, you don't know. I mean, it could be good. It could be bad, but it's just, that's, that's the point of competition
0: yeah yeah I, I i never really thought about that way i like the way you described it you know the sleeping in the hotel bed you know traveling getting a starbucks at the airport you know uh starbucks mm-hmm. that's all part of the competition and it can yeah. all affect you one way or another mm-hmm. and it, because
1: it plays into you so i mean physically it has an effect and psychologically it has an effect on you as well because you have to now you're pulled out of a comfortable environment and you're, you're faced with how you handle the discomfort and how mentally you're able to keep yourself focused to push through that or, I mean, whether you do or you don't. But it's, every, I mean, think about, it, again, every competition you've done. There's not one competition, even if you've competed in the same venue, let's say you did do a certain meet and sub, uh, for consecutive years. It's never the same. You never perform the same that you did the last time. Sometimes better, sometimes worse. But it's never the same because you are just, myriad factors that make it different for whatever the reason may be and since that in and of itself is is part of competing
0: yeah i mean i've I've been a swaggler a couple times sometimes you get a bar you're happy with in the warm-up room other times you know Mm -hmm. the better bars are taken you know or you don't get to warm up the plates you're with the black palm plates or you're in a uncomfortable spot in the warm-up room you know Mm -hmm. not not just to focus on the warm-up room but there's like it's, it's diff, different, like you said, every single time. The variables are always different. And,
1: and also, too, with that is the, let's say, the judging. I mean, you have three judges looking at you live from three different angles. When you're doing the video submission, you just have a straight-on view. Uh, that you, I mean, how, how sub, uh, objective can you really be when you have such a limited perspective? I mean, even if you have three people looking at it, three people looking at the same video, that's not three people looking at the same lift from three different angles. So I just, I think there's so many different components that just don't equate to actual competition. It just becomes a, I mean, I don't know what it becomes, but it's just yeah. that,
0: that's not competing to me. Plus I'm not sure how the, you know, I, I don't think the technology is there where let's say if you're reffing my lift online. there's yeah. not like a, when you hit play, there's like a countdown timer and you can only see it once and you got to make a, Mm -hmm. you got to make a call. Like, I'm not sure what it is like now, but I imagine a ref can just replay the video over and over. And that just, you know, that doesn't seem fair to a lifter. It should be like whether or not you, you saw something in the moment or didn't, maybe Mm -hmm. there wasn't a press out, but you saw, you saw, you thought you saw, it. I would accept that more than replaying the video over and over and yes. isolating independent parts because you like yes. you said before that's not competition you can't do that at a real no meeting. not at all
1: that's then that's a good point too is that i mean who knows how people judge they it to where when they judge they only like hey guys we're going to play now everyone watch and then watch that or if they, oh, let, me, let me just see again because then you allow more scrutiny to it that you wouldn't have in a normal setting so uh and in my opinions in that regard too of what judging has
0: become these days I think that's even less fair to the lifter as well. What uh, just to kind of dive into that? What what has judging become these days? Because I only know judging from like the last you know like x amount of years. Like I'm, I'm not yeah. sure how it's evolved. It's just to me, it's from what it seems is
1: that you just have judges that are just uh, sharks. Just it's and especially from like when my coach Marcus says it become involved too. If, if his much longer involvement than I is that, I mean, if you look at videos from, from lifters in the 90s, I remember one, I think was Oscar Chaplin, where it was American Snatch record, and you see, he's like, what would be today considered a press out was just a little elbow motion, and they gave him three white lights, so it's just to me, it's, I guess, this group of referees that have come in to where they're just they're just sharks constantly hunting for a motion in the elbow. I know for myself, my elbows are terrible, so I mean, I'm always subject to be uh, scrutinized over a press out, but I've had plenty of lifts that were the videos watching afterwards where it was shoulder motion more than elbow motion. I get called on press out. So it's like, you know, it, even even with, and in the same time and not like it, it, the lifts are very controlled. I mean, it doesn't look like I'm out of control doing the lift to where, okay, yeah, you know what? He's he's kind of off it's just It's a good lift and just how I moved or so. So it's just, it seems that you just have people hunting for the elbow lock. It doesn't even like nothing matters other than that. And it's not, judging has become it it has gone for the judges not for the lifters to where let's say like before like i don't know if i saw an elbow lock where usually at least as i was always raised you know favor the lifter and now it's like it's favor the judges you think i think i saw something so i'm going to give a red light it's like that's that's that doesn't help in my opinion doesn't help the sport and i think you notice that too that there's a difference internationally versus nationally where nationally in this country it seems like referees are absurdly strict with elbow motion versus internationally. There's a little bit more forgiveness. So yeah, uh, I think, I think that ends up hurting the sport in the long run. I mean, if, so let's say someone like myself, even at an an amateur level or so, or uh, go to compete nationally, and I know they're going to be hunting my elbows and have trouble as is it's like what, what, what's going to incline me to want to compete knowing that even if the lift looks good anatomically, I have trouble and I'm going to get red lights. Why am, to, why am I going to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to try to go to a, a national event knowing that I'm going to get screwed or have to lift just much excess, excessively lighter weights just to be exacting to their standard?
0: And, and it seems odd, too, that these higher-level judges aren't able to discern or maybe aren't willing to shoulder movement versus the elbow movement. When, yeah. And then you get people in the crowd who are like... like also watching the same lift and having a different opinion you know
1: yeah
0: i'm not sure there, there should be a way where if you have a row of seats you know for an audience mm-hmm. everyone gets like a little buzzer and like yeah. it kind of be like um the judges call the lift bad and maybe a yeah. shoulder movement but then audience the, the audience can override you know you yeah. get a you get the community vote you know mm-hmm. and uh whoever's doing uh, the speaker can lift their thumb in the air Kind of like yeah, the old okay. Roman emperors and go up or down.
1: <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Let's do it that style. But, that would be great. But that, you know, and that actually kind of brings, I think, a decent point because think about like, I unless some people are just wicked people, I don't know. But every time, at least for me, and I know other people, every time you see someone step on the platform, you want to see them be successful. And let's say you see someone miss a lift, you want to see them come back and make it. Nobody wants to see someone go up and just kill themselves or look like a train wreck. You want to see, like, all right, yeah. They're doing it. They made it. They, you want to see successful lifts and you want to have successful lifts. I know like audiences want that. No one wants to watch a sport where people are just missing lifts left and right, looking like trash. Whereas it seems to me, in my, my opinion, hopefully not to offend anybody who are, are refs, but it seems the opposite. They're looking to find bed lifts. They're looking for people to have issues. And it's like, why well, the rule is too, too vague in terms of, of how they apply it. And it's like, well, if you have a little motion, a lot of motion, you're looking for anything. So I I've, I know I've been called on it before. And again, like I said, seeing a video, it's like, come on, that's really what you're going for.
0: So. Yeah. And I know, you know, to be fair to the TOs, there's not many of them. And at a meet like the AO national thing coming up, they're going yeah. to be working nonstop, probably on a pretty skeleton crew, especially now with the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, that's probably why I'm getting an email to come out, you know? Oh, so. for sure. Well, you know, I wonder, I, like, I, how do you fix it? You know, like, what's, what's the answer?
1: And I'm sure a lot of that scrutiny has come from CrossFit's participation and like CrossFitters getting into competing and, and not really being aware of the technical rules because they've never, well, I'd say the, the definition of CrossFit lifting versus real lifting. And when the, uh, what is it, a couple of years ago when the American Open had like a thousand people competing or something like that. Yeah. Was that um, in Texas? yeah uh, yeah i think that's what it was and and you just i'm sure i'm sure it stemmed out of there being just terrible looking lifts all over the place and figuring if they clean up, make you judging that strict then it will help push out a lot of these lifters and force people to become better lifters but i think there's you have to have some sort of uh, objective set of standards individually as an official to be able to recognize all right this person looks like a lifter they look like they have good control i'm not gonna be so nitpicky on let's say two millimeters of movement or, or a little bit of let's say if someone's shoulders just kind of going like this a little bit that that i don't know if you can see but but if if yeah. that's yeah. Going to be, uh, the uh i'm gonna call them on a press out because of that
0: yeah i agree i i, I imagine you know after that i think it was like the ao <laughs> i think it was ao in texas back in who knows like 2015 or something there was like an ice storm mm-hmm. something uh, like that
1: oh i was there for that one i think it was uh was that fifteen? I think that was 13 but the one i think the one in 15 i can't i want to say it was in rio um i can't remember now it was that that one was like the huge one that was That was like uh oh, i can't remember for the life of me but yeah that was that was the big one that i think was probably it's when they it was the year whenever the year was where they dropped the totals down i i want to say that was
0: 15 but it wasn't that wasn't okay, the ice yeah pool. so when they dropped the totals then everybody was there I'm I'm, like, it's, it's easy now to like armchair quarterback it, you know, on like what the correct steps would have been. But I imagine, I mean, like I know I've been to meets where I was a new coach and especially at a certain level. And, you know, we, we always say that people are friendly at meets, you know, I think that's maybe more, Mm -hmm. more so local meets, you know, because I've had unfriendly experiences, you know, with people. Uh, on the officiating side at these okay. bigger meets. And so I, I think that the approach from USA Weightlifting should have been, wow, this is a really good thing that's happening right now that we have so many people coming yeah. in because of CrossFit and we drop those totals okay. to make more of an effort to approach novice coaches and novice lifters. And especially if you're someone who's been in a sport for 30, 40 years, like yeah. Like come like like have a, a good bedside manner and explain, all right, you got that lift, but here's how you can be better and, and try to encourage people and explain the rules. And then I think mm-hmm. putting information out in a way where everybody's gonna be able to find it. And these days it's social yeah. media, you know, like on Instagram, like have like a post that explains the rules on the lockout, you know, and yeah. thousands of people will read that, you know, mm-hmm. versus having it be buried in the coach in the refing course the coach's course and yeah, i know when I, I took my level two yeah. they said you know when you go out if you have a lockout issue don't tap your elbows which when i first got in the sport they're like tap your elbows let them know this is as far as it locks out and yeah. then when it came up at my level two they're like no don't do that because now they're going to be looking for it and yeah. they're going to call it yeah yeah
1: yeah it's it's a tough one especially because the organization is self-funded so i mean it, it's 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 a a paradigm between trying to get as many participants to raise as much money as you can to keep the organization fed while at the same time you want to hold a standard. So it's like, it's, it's a tough balance. I I would say for them, but you know, that's you saying that, like that would be that would be good social media for them to put a lot of information like that out. That's easily that's available. Not even it's like revealing coaching courses or anything like that. But I mean, just, put the rule book out there make videos on how the rule book works and what's considered do explanatory series and put out some information that I, you know I, I haven't seen anywhere i've never seen anyone discuss parts of the rule book which i think would be necessary to, to or, or very helpful to put out even something is like let's say the 30 seconds uh 30 second rule with making changing attempts and whatnot explain no one knows that. anything
0: about that yeah
1: no i mean yeah she took it's... the course or been involved with it i mean that's something where I'm like, Oh, really? I mean, I know I even, even I still get tripped up on that sometimes.
0: So yeah, it's, it's, uh it's low hanging fruit, right? Like you could easily yeah. make a post that shows a weightlifting belt with a little measurement thing on it. And it says yeah. what the measurement should be, and then have a picture next to it. that shows a belt that clearly doesn't meet the standards and yeah. say, Hey, you <laughs> can't wear this sure. at the AO coming up in a couple weeks. And now it's, it's out there, you know? <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I, exactly. That would be, I think, very helpful and concise to do, to be able to just, I mean, I know on the uh, the ID tags, they're putting a little measurement for the belt on there, but you know, sh- tell show people that. And I had a few people I'd show that and they're like, oh, really? And they, so make a small video, say, hey, I, on your ID tag, you'll find, use this to assess your belt, make sure that's legit because I've seen people have to, uh, at meets where a technical official comes over and they's like, measure the belt. You can't wear it right here. You got to take it off. And they this is when they're going out for like their second or third clean and jerk. And I mean, as an athlete, that's going to, that's going to mess with you.
0: Yeah. And that, you know, that's, that's unfortunate. That's the wrong time to be telling them that, you know, second mm-hmm. or third clean jerk, if they've gotten to the third clean jerk, it's, yeah. it's, 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 uh, you have to accept that it was your fault now. And it's like, is this yeah. should an athlete be penalized? They're going go no, they, to go out. You know, you didn't catch it on the first two. And you also didn't catch it at weigh-ins, which hopefully they had it at weigh-ins. I don't know.
1: You know, that'd be a good way to do it. Say, bring your belt to weigh-ins. So if you have a belt, we'll measure it right there and let you know. So that way, before anything gets started, you know. But I I guess at the same time, anybody who's venturing to a national meet to compete should already be well aware that their belt is legal or not.
0: Yeah. uh, Responsibility has to be on both sides. I I would say, you know, um, it's the athlete's responsibility all the way up to their actually taking their attempts. Yeah, And then at-
1: athlete and coach, both of their responsibility to make yes. sure of that I'd even say, if not more the coach's responsibility, because as a coach, you need to know the rules. You need to prepare your athlete for everything. And that's, that's, again, what you have to be aware of in order to keep them mentally and me- mentally ready to be able to perform physically their best.
0: Yeah. I've, I've made that mistake before as a rookie yeah. coach, you know, I, we were, we we're at a meet. The yeah. belt was a little too big and I just didn't notice it. And one of the TOs came over and said, you can't wear that belt. And yeah. it threw my lifter off to the point where they bombed out on the cleaning jerk. Yeah. And it wasn't really so much that the, it was the weight issue. It was the emotional issue of not being able to have the belt and being told you can't wear it. And then that's also sure. there was, there was fishiness going on where other people who were related to the TOs were allowed yeah. to wear bigger belts. It was a whole thing. We don't have to go into that, but uh, that's, yeah,
1: now, now that that probably ventures or it would be a good segue into, I uh, think, what you were saying, the, uh, the other topic you wanted to go over, and that's uh, corruption, and bu- corruption and bureaucracies.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a, a lot going on in the IWF right now. Uh, there's talk of you know, the whole board being disbanded. Ursula uh, Propandria was recently outed as the, the president of the IWF. Mm-hmm. Thomas Ajan is... Collecting a lot of money. There's all kinds yeah. of issues going on with doping and finding samples. Which I, I read that they found like uh, like documentation of like so many samples that were yeah. pushed under the rug, but no one's announced who those lifters were yet. So that's interesting. Anna, what's your take on this whole this thing? Going on, all the drama.
1: Well, um, let me wet my palate here so I can go on a diatribe. Uh, honestly, if myself personally, anytime there's a bureaucracy, I, I trust nothing of a bureaucracy because, I, I mean, anyone who's read history at any point uh, and, and has, has studied a little bit what you, you, how you can trust that there's going to be honesty and integrity is, is I would think, very minimal. And as this evidence, everything coming forward has proved that like any bureaucracy, they're self-serving to their own interests at the expense of all those that they are supposedly looking to uh, serve and and be in the, the benefactor or benefit provide benefit to and uh i mean i, I said it like way back what is it before, uh, during was it the Sochi when they first started doing all the retests for london and uh, all these athletes started coming up and there was controversy i i was saying right then and there why is and afterwards why is the john still in charge this guy was overseeing all this stuff and you have allegations of corruption all this any other institution, uh, or even even private business, the moment some sort of question to scandal or you know, wrongdoing comes up, the 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 person in charge resigns or steps aside for a little while and allows someone else to come into the organization to take over. But this guy's just kept going, and then more and more and more information came out. Um, have you watched the both of the German documentaries that
0: were put out? I actually have not. Um, I'm not sure where to find them. To be honest, they were
1: first one was it should still be the second one should still be available on YouTube. They have subtitles on them. Uh, I'll have to. I'll find it and send it to you. It should still be up. So I watched the first one, then I watched the second one, and coincidentally, the second one that they filmed, they actually they did last year when I was in Germany for the Meissen Cup, and uh, there was one area because it's it's a sports complex where the competitions held. They have the weightlifting area. Then I think it was like. Some I don't know if it was a basketball. I don't think they play basketball there, but it was some sort of big indoor gymnasium court. But there was a specific area that there was like no access to. You're, you're prohibited access actually, and yeah. that's where they were actually filming parts of the, the documentary. They were interviewing Lydia. They were interviewing Oliver Caruso. A bunch of people that were there competing at the meet. Actually, you get they wanted to be a, <laughs> the pan views of the competition. You could see me sitting in the uh, or standing on the on the side of the, the platform. Oh very cool. Yeah, I know. Like I'm famous now. I made it. But, <laughs> but um it, it's just it, there's so much information that's come out and especially in in many countries, let's say in it, generally it's seeming many democratic countries uh it's they're, they're righteous, they're they're strict to protocol and they're they're the ones to suffer to these other countries of of systems that are more prone to corruption and ill doing and and especially with a John being in charge. Uh it's just like how much? How much more? You want to let the same people who have been running it the entire time continue their involvement? So you're 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 putting allegations up. Allegations are proving to be true. You're finding factual evidence, but yet again, the same actors are in the same positions. You see, so you're saying that they're unaware. I, I mean, at that point, I I even would saying what uh, should do is just completely someone else start a completely different organ federal, uh, international organization. All the clean countries start an organization and maybe do uh, make make it more like the NFL or make it like a a weightlifting league. And uh, so you, where you have incredibly strict drug testing right from the onset and then do it to where it generates, you generate revenue through more tactful or more, more enticing competition to where you put two lifters together or you, you do something to where you make it more visually entertaining and more competitive to be able to draw more attention and monetize it. And then you just allow that to push these other countries out. Um, I'd like to
0: see like more, emphasis on teams you know like team usa versus team germany you know for example because you always Mm -hmm. have those old you know like the from like the 80s those old battles between countries it doesn't seem to be as much of a focus anymore you know no
1: no and that's because especially with the route they tried to take of individualizing everybody for the olympics and such to eliminate um i I personally think too the uh, the steps that they wanted to do with all the with the uh the, the three tiered competition or uh, olympic qualification system i think is just gonna is brutally rough on athletes Uh, not to mention i don't think it's cost effective i mean i I get the idea of forcing athletes into competition in order to be able to test them more but i mean it's just now you have to compete more frequently get more points i think it just makes it so much tougher and more difficult
0: um how you can really focus on training
1: yeah and yeah not just like having to be at a peak performance the entire time but I mean, again, this is kind of branching off a little bit, but well, I, I, you I you said know. something
0: earlier with um, uh, clean countries like when I think of clean countries, I think of, you know, United States, Great Britain, Canada, yeah. sure. Germany, like, like are, are, who, who are the other players in here that could build up this league.
1: Yeah, that I don't know. (laughs) Anyone who finishes outside the top 10, (laughs) (laughs) then we could go from there. I think that'd be a good one. I mean, and especially too, it just, it leads, it it leads to some skepticism in many ways. And and let's say in certain, especially like socialistic and communistic countries where performance is still used as more of a propaganda type, type tool or where a country like China has just boatloads of money that they want to funnel into different areas. And, and let's say when Ilya, after Ilya got caught, when he was training up in Massachusetts, when he was here for a semester, I mean, he was doing like supposedly clean. Let's just say he was doing like one seventy and 200, which I mean, and he was on body weight around like one Oh five or something like that. Let's say, and that's, that's supposedly clean. I mean, that, that kind of fits in line with what a lot of let's, let's say lifter, clean lifters of, uh, of that weight class would do, but at the same time, you have Chinese guys doing in in, in let's say three to four kilo of uh, three to four weight classes below that, competing internationally, doing these same numbers. It's like, yeah, not to not to mention with the physiques that they have. It's like, come on, you got to think a little bit more about this. And I think China has a lot of interest in it as well.
0: Um, what, what do you think? You know, personally, the reason was that he was chosen. You know, if there is a selection or, or, or like a nefarious reason to be popped and dethroned when he was clearly on his way to winning another Olympics and essentially, you know, solidifying the fact that he'd be the okay, greatest. I'm sorry, my feet.
1: Um, I've, I've been told, or well, not been told, I, if someone brought up the, the idea that they wanted to, because he would have surpassed Dimas. And I think that the organization didn't want Dimas's record to be tarnished or his greatness to be removed. How true that is. I don't know. It's just a, a theory on things, but I mean, it's, if anything, the most plausible, I guess, unless it was just a extremely harmless. Well, Ilias just taking enough stuff to, to power a small country that, you know, the guy's glowing that we know he's, he's, we gotta, he just, there's no way he can pass a test, but um I don't know. That's the only thing. That's, that's one thing I've been proposed with was that it's just to not to, cause I, I Dimas is involved in the IWF and has a lot of relations there. So, I mean, one could say to keep his record because they never, I mean, when did they, they stop with the retroactive test? They went all the way back to 08, correct?
0: Uh, I'm not sure to be honest.
1: And I believe they keep the samples. Why didn't they go back to 2004? Why didn't they go 2000? So, I mean, it's like w- what made them stop, especially because if you're going to be that, insanely retroactive with, with your testing, uh, you might as well keep going and just, just screw everybody over really. And, 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 on the, on, while we're on the subject of retroactive testing, I think that was a, probably one of the greatest disservices as well. I mean, make everything going forward at the time. It, it's, it's, everyone with the systems in place, the tests people complied with the rules and regulations everyone passed within the confines of the system. And I mean, like I put it akin to, let's say now, like if for whatever reason, let's say, I don't know, 10 miles an hour over the speed limit because, is is fine right now. You can drive by a cop and that's no problem. Let's say now, all of a sudden next week, they put a law that if you drive 10 miles an hour and over, it's considered a misdemeanor. Now, all of a sudden, what do you do retroactively go back and, and to anyone who's documented having to do that now penalize them and arrest them? It's I never agree with applying the replying what's going on in the moment and putting it back on things that have happened in the past. It's kind of like, it's it's like revisionist history in that sense. I mean, a little bit, you can't comply. You can't put the context of today to the context of a past time. And I think that's the same holds true for the ruling of how weightlifting is with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I don't think it was right to do all that retroactive testing and, and kind of decide that you're going to stop at a certain point. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like you could have I don't know how far back they can go, but I imagine the decision was made to not essentially destroy the sport, because if you destroy all of your all of your history, like if you go back, who knows if he was or wasn't. Everyone can speculate. But, you know, I guess innocent until proven guilty. If you all of a sudden say pocket Hercules, you know, was was on and all of his titles were illegitimate. Then it's yeah. like, what do, what do you do? Who do we have? No Olympic champions, no world champions. At
1: that point, it's like, uh, I mean, how many? I mean, how many documentaries have to come out or interviews have to come out noting how the Bulgarians were, were just, too, <laughs> they were loading themselves up with drugs. You all the all the athletes telling about uh, how Abhijev would would bring him into his office and give him like stuff out of a magic box and all this. It's like. It, there's stuff that's completely known and to your point of like how far going back and it's like you're weightlifting is is really in my opinion shooting itself in the foot with everything that it's doing these days you want and they're, they're shooting themselves in the foot by they're trying to make things quote better but they're 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 punishing so many people as a result and I, let's say I have a alt I mean Most everybody I know in the weightlifting world, they're all, like internationally, they're all clean sport athletes. And I think that's good for them. They should. But ultimately, they're the ones who really end up suffering because of all this, I think. Because now, let's say, like going back to competing, having to go through all the competitions to to qualify for the Olympics. This is a penalty being imposed on them to keep them clean, which they've been clean the whole time. To, for all those who weren't clean, just just for testing purposes, so now you have someone who is trying to compete naturally against people who may have competed uh, unnaturally I mean it's just gonna, the amount of stress on their body and the, the duration that their career is going to be shortened is I think substantial so I, 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 I mean I'm not involved I don't know these are just my, this is my conjecture on it, but I think there are a lot of better ways that they can approach things
0: well, let's say someone from the IOC or the IWF or anything like that stumbles upon the Barbell Strikes Back podcast. Yes. And they hear us talking about this and they're like, okay, we need to talk to this Danny Casey guy from the New York weightlifting Academy. They contact my, my
1: you. Brilliance, and- my brilliance is really uh, world renowned. So I yes. can understand.
0: But- <laughs> and they're like, Danny, uh, we're going to give you full reign. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you're the man in charge. How do we fix this? Uh, what, what are your first couple steps to yeah. kind of get the sport to a point where it can function? It's going to be limited by corruption, you know, with mm-hmm. the bureaucracies uh, yeah. and, and, and everything else and, and be prosperous going forward. What, what are your first couple steps?
1: Well, I, my, my thought would be that there's got to be a way to, there's got to be a way, to, let's say, starting from the top with bureaucracy of everything, there's, there's gotta be some sort of checks and balances that could be put in. So you don't have a guy end up into this institution and maintain 40 years of, of control over it. So, I mean, maybe term limits would be a good start, uh, some sort of more oversight to where you have uh, a multitude of people involved that counter one another. I mean, I guess maybe similar like our government to a certain degree where you have opposing groups or, or, or um, opposing parts of uh, parts of the institution that oppose each other to instill more checks and balances and ensure integrity uh, it almost and, seems
0: like a good term limit would just be to use the olympics as like a guide or yep. guiding course every four years you know yeah you're president for four years and then you get re-elected or whatever
1: mm-hmm. yeah exactly that and limit terms on it um that's for like the whole i mean because money is obviously a big thing as well and especially to keep the sport going you need money so it's a slippery slope uh in terms of, let's say, for the athletes, I think maybe different types of qualification processes for them. Um, maybe instead of, let's say, having the athlete have to fly out and the team have to fly out to make this qualification process, do like they were doing beforehand in terms of, let's say, world championships or something like that. But, I mean, whatever, let's say, I would imagine, and I'd, let's say if the cost of flying – someone from the United States to go compete at a competition in Malta or something like that. Let's say you're going to have a coach, you're going to have a trainer, you're going to have the athlete. That's three people, airfare and hotel. Then maybe the, 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 the national organization has to keep, let's say instead of paying to send those people out, use those funds to fly in an international arbiter. That's going to drug test the athlete like right then and there type of deal. Obviously then you can raise question, well, individual payoffs and things like that, what I mean, maybe then two people, I don't know, but have some sort of verification process in that regard where you pay for your drug test to come, then you, the athlete, the coach that saves money in that instance, it's, I mean, it should cost less to have someone do that and the testing than it is to fly four or five people out. So maybe that's a consideration to be had. I mean, you can't, it's tough to find, well, either way, either if someone has to go to the meet or if you force them to designate X quantity of, of money to fly someone over, it's it's going to it's still being forced to do something regardless. So one's a cheaper option. The
0: sport's but, expensive and we got to figure yeah. that out somehow. Travel's expensive. Shoes are cheap. <laughs> well, it almost seems like maybe like you get a, uh, like like every sport has sponsors, you know? Yeah. And there's got to be a sponsor out there that would be like, you know what? I, I We want to be the representative of clean sport. So like mm-hmm. like we're Nike. We want to be involved yeah. in weightlifting. All of our funds are going to be For that, you know, with drug testing and flying people out and we're going to help, you know, be a part of that and monitor things and work with USADA and WADA and all the others and something like that, you know.
1: No, you know, that's that that is a good one. Everybody operates off of incentive and how you direct incentives is going to direct outcomes to a certain degree. So right now, the way it's worked is, is it's the incentive is to win, which obviously is the nature of competition. But at the same time um money is another driving factor behind everything so if there's a way like you said get nike involved or something to create incentives for companies to want to be involved keep the sport clean uh but at the same time you need money coming in so like i was saying earlier maybe do some sort of different type of like like head-to-head competition format or something to make it more palatable make it more interesting to watch so then that way you draw revenues in different ways. And obviously everyone can win, but the standards within the confines of the, the protocol and the, the nature of the competition will will support itself and allow that to happen.
0: Yeah, I, I think so too. I think, you know, like Team USA is a, is a sports team. It's comprised yeah. of individuals, but like, you know, imagine it's on the news or it's on ESPN and they're gonna televise it. And it's like, hey, mm-hmm. on Saturday, Team USA is going up against, you know, Team Canada. You know, in, in yeah. weightlifting, like uh, you, you hear and read so many stories from like back in the day where they used to have those matchups, and it's like that would be so cool. And then to be able to recreate it at the club level, like okay, yeah. like uh team Albany Cross Barbell Club is gonna meet at X gym to go against the mm-hmm. New York Weightlifting Academy, and we each submit our lifters, and like that. Yeah, that makes it fun, you know, because well, you people know are, people are sometimes afraid too on the ground level to do an individual sport so like being a part of a team makes it a little bit better
1: and and it's it's like wrestling you're part of a team and everyone's there but at the same time it's still an individual sport but yeah that uh actually i came up with a concept for that um let's say just going back it kind of like in germany they were doing like where teams compete it's in the bundesliga and it it draws people it draws excitement draws attention um and i was saying it'd be cool if we could do something like that here but i mean it's it, it's kind of, they still do it in like a competition like format, and I think for us, the way gyms are here relative to let's say training halls in Germany, it'd be tough to say, Oh, we're, we're gonna come up and visit your gym, we're gonna do a meet, but then have to convert everything and convert it into a competition setting. Um, but I was thinking what would be really cool is uh, we use uh, you based off the the point system that Germany uses, so what that the relative point point system basically makes it to where it's just, it's a handicap for body weight. So you don't necessarily, you don't have to make weight for your weight class because it's a, it's a team competition. So whatever, whatever you weigh, you weigh, but there's a a chart that they have that let's say if your weight is like 80 kilos, then you subtract, I don't know, I'm just pulling a random number out here. Let's just say, then you subtract 30, 30 or the number 30 gets subtracted from your total. And then those numbers vary per body weight, so it's essentially it's based upon let's say the curve of totals per body weight for men and women, and then in handicaps. So let's say if I, I let's say I'm lifting, um, let's say I, myself versus one of your females are lifting. Even though I may lift a lot more than her, I may be heavier than her, then it, we still the way the score works out in the end, it'll it's still what we lift is contingent upon. Uh, I mean, the score that we lift in the end is competitive one to the next because of the handicap that we have between us. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that, that would be cool. Danny, so, you got to get this going. Be yes. Cool go, no, cool
1: but so, and, and again, so further with that is that, um, so that's how we do it in terms of weighing it. But then instead of setting up a competition platform, it's basically like we do like, the, just keep it simple, do like inter-team training. So everyone's lifting, we just start lift. we lift with each other um and also too here's the one nuance that i really put in that i think would be really cool is that you, every lifter is only allowed three misses so what that means is you have you have three three no lifts that you can use any which way possible if let's say i'm going to warm up i plan on having my first lift that like is credited to a score counted like let's say be 100 kilos like 100 kilo or anything after well not even that i'm sorry so use it any way you want so let's say if i'm, I'm I'm looking to snatch 100 kilos that day. If I, for whatever reason, I miss 50 kilos in the warm up, which like, you shouldn't be missing, type of deal, that's still counted to one of your three misses. So now I'm down to two. So it's like, oh, oh man, what wow. a bomb. So now you can choose how you want to apply your misses, whether if you want to use them. So let's say, based upon how you feel in the snatch that day, say, so, all right, you know what? I've, I, I made 100. If you really, let me go 105. Then I miss 105. Okay, now I'm down to one. So then only, I can go into that point to the clean and jerk or if I feel really good and made a hundred I want to stop at a hundred now I still have three misses that I could apply into the clean and jerk or two misses if you want to still count the 50 that like I said so that way you have to you could strategize a little bit how you want to use missing and not not just having three attempts in each but let's say whatever you work up to and then both coaches and I mean you'd like to think act as uh, rational actors and judge things accordingly so
0: well I like that so essentially it turns the warm-up into part of the competition because every it's, lift counts
1: yeah it's the whole session the entire so let and that's why so instead of okay now i'm going to open up on the platform we're all lifting together we are having a good time and everything but every every lift is is continued to your credit so once you step on the platform and you start lifting you can only you can only not make a lift three times out of everything that you're doing so you can choose again how you want to do it if you have if you have a great day you want to say i want to stop and don't use any misses that's fine if you if you miss (laughs) you go to do a clean and jerk at like 140 and you miss the first two and then make it on the last one that that's still good so it kind of takes out the the three attempts in each but just gives you only three uh it kind of I think twists that around a little bit
0: and are there still three referees who are looking for lockouts uh early dips on the jerk things like that
1: uh that and that like for now until if unless you have certain like referees going that's where i say like the two coaches or whoever coaching group or group who's there want to act they kind of we all like you myself we act as uh objective judges to all of our lifters and we just kind of come to an agreement of whether we like it or don't like it type of deal
0: okay I, I think that'd be super cool to do and you know what maybe change at the top needs to be made on the grassroots level first you know like yeah like you start doing stuff like that and then yeah takes the note, and they're like well hey we can monetize this we can make it popular mm-hmm. it is popular we want a piece of that pie because yeah. i remember back you know i've been to plenty of meets and you have too where there was no music you know yeah. there was no you know a flash or flare to it then mm-hmm. the awf came out and they were playing music and yeah everybody was it was like a party and then now mm-hmm. you know i showed up to the ao uh, in um, Valley Forge and I'm like this is an AWF meet this is yeah. uh, you know I, like obviously there's more funds to do all these platforms and stuff like that
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: sponsorship <laughs> but like they uh, they obviously took note of something and then they took it so yeah something exactly like we do it happen. on
1: a Saturday and then go out afterwards like just try to and, you know because like, that's another aspect is really creating camaraderie amongst and a community amongst a, a much wider group to where yeah, we just we competed as teams against each other we invite each other to your gym and then afterwards we all go out or we barbecue or something like that so it, it creates community and creates like i remember at uh um let's say two years ago now was it we were i know you know ellen robinson of robinson weightlifting out in massachusetts i've known her for years really nice lady um and you know she's just just great person and uh her, one of her lifters was competing against mine and they were the last two in the session and we're just i mean it, it really it was really fun to coach with her because it was, we weren't trying to outmaneuver one another. She was like, um, like we, we were just being open with each other. Like, listen, if your lister needs more time, I'll wait and drop, I'll, I'll pump her up afterwards. Just whatever it may it need be. And we we're accommodating each other. And like she said, you know, that's how it should be. Because ultimately, the, the goal is to go Team USA and then we become teammates. So why are we going to try to kill each other at local meets? So uh, we've, we looked out for each other in that regard. And it's just, it's, it, I think creates good mutual respect amongst coaches and and amongst lifters as well, instead of being like, ah, oh, screw that team. I don't, those guys are jerks or something like that. I mean, the more, the, the more you get everybody together at, at, a, at a, on the ground level where everything is happening, then the less the bureaucracy, you can come down and crush things
0: in a negative way. Yeah. And that's how you share ideas, right? You know, you get two yeah. teams together. Well, And then Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, you see one of my lifters and you're like, Hey, have you ever said this to them? And I'm like, no, actually no. And then it works. And then their total goes up, you know, like it's a, it's a, it's a village, right. You have to, it takes a village to raise a weightlifter.
1: Yeah. That's exactly it. I've done that. Steve Swistak and I, we've, he's been to my place and we we actually ran a meet together years ago, but Steve and I have done a bunch of things together with, between our teams and it's just been, it's been fun. It's always been a great time motivational rooting for each other wanting to see success i mean steve's made suggestions to my lifters and it's like I, no ego about it. it's like yeah you know steve knows a lot he's he's an experienced guy please do like whatever you you see something that i'm missing or you see something that's going to help by all means please say something
0: yeah well, so, one of my favorite things about local meets that we do in this area is when jim storch is there and uh, then yeah. it's and he's Great like guy. you know yeah he always asks permission he's like hey can i say something to your lifter here and i'm like mm-hmm. Please, because I've said it a million times, so I'm blue in the face. Maybe they'll actually <laughs> yes. listen when you say it. You know, so it's I'm like, like Jim, it's...
1: Jim, say something to me. Tell me, please. That guy is a he's a oh, pool yeah. of, of knowledge and, and and stoicism that is like of like Jim. I want to listen. I, I just want to follow you and listen to what you say to everybody.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, one of my one of my favorite meat experiences was at you know uh, his gym or the gym yeah. he comes out of in Elmira, and uh, this is when they were doing meets and he was coaching me. While I was on the competition platform, so I was doing uh push jerks that day just to mix, you know. And you know, he's coaching me as I'm walking out there, telling me technique, and then after the clean, he's like, Okay, pause, do this, do that, and then I did it, and it was my best push jerk ever. I'm like, Yeah, this is this is when I get coaching, you know, when I'm at at the meet and gym's there. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a great, great experience.
1: Yeah, and that's and that's what because none of us get paid to do this. We 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 for whatever reason elect to kill ourselves week in and week out just to step on a, a platform once every three to eight to however many months that we do it. I mean this and, and that's the majority of people. So you want to there's there's no reason that you should not be enjoying what you're doing and 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 also too because we're doing it for the love of doing it for the love of love of training love of competing that we shouldn't be getting as much getting perspective on it as well from. From many others who have been around and are respectable to learn from so it's like yeah it's i think that's how we should approach it
0: yeah life sure it's short. like we talked about before the show you know learn history and mm-hmm. learn about the people in your community and take those lessons to heart and apply them and yeah some things will work and other things won't work but at least you you know it and more than likely i think most things will work you just need to find a situation that's going to work in
1: yes that's it's true every every this is a, a tool for every situation it's just a matter of how and when you can apply it
0: yeah well I mean you got to get that thing going uh Danny I'll, I'll help you out with it I think it'd be great to it's it's been a dream of mine to have some kind of a team competition where well, I can let's take go. we take can possibly do it too.
1: together and uh get it going yeah. I mean I was talking to Steve about it that actually at the beginning of this year I was telling him about it and yeah. Cause we had a, a, a master's camp kind of, we call a master camp, basically a training day. Uh, it was going to be aimed at the master's nationals. And then the, the day after we did that, we did that on Sunday. The day after was when the, the whole uh, two weeks to, two weeks to stop the spread thing started. And now, you know, nine
0: months later, here we are. Yeah. Well, I I'm in, so we'll have to keep talking about, it. maybe that'll be a great 2021 thing. Yeah. Know, especially I agree. if, I think- if if meets I think are do that. Uh, well, well,
1: we'll work it out. We'll, we'll, we'll keep in touch and get the details out and figure. It. We'll just hammer it out and say we're going to do it anyway.
0: Definitely. Well, Danny, before I let you go, uh, yeah. are you doing all right on time? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, I, another thing I want to talk to you about was uh, you training Carrie Pierce for the uh, 2020 CrossFit Games.
1: Ah, yes, yes. Carrie did very well this year. Uh, I believe the highest uh, it's the highest finish she's ever done had at the games. Correct. So. Uh,
0: yeah the third place guess, what's that I, I think she took third right
1: yeah she took third so i i guess um for all intents and purposes it's only logical that i take full credit for that increase in her performance because that was the uh the the new variable involved so i um, think very that's humbly, fair very humbly i'm gonna i'm gonna <laughs> seed everything is being mine. now she's uh, <laughs> she's awesome i mean carrie's like She's like the, your ideal athlete in every shape and regard, it, or every way in regard. Whether she, I mean, in terms of being dedicated, it had checks off all the boxes for um, self um, self responsibility on everything. She picks up, up cues quick, does all the work. There's no question; just do, um, employs everything that you're directed to and does it well at a, as a high at a high level. So uh, she she it was it was cool. See, it's been really nice to work with her and. We'll see how this upcoming year goes. How Uh, did that start? I was going to say. So I've known her coach, Justin Kotler, for, jeez, I don't know, probably like eight or so years now, trying to think back. Um, I worked with, he brought me down, I forget why, just on a whim. I mean, really fortuitous chance to work with a bunch of his athletes. Then uh, he hired me to work with the the team that he was building. So I, I think it was 2013 regionals. Uh, so they, they I believe that's the year I forget, but I uh, worked with the team for the 2013 regionals. They won, they went to the games, they finished fifth at the games, worked with the team the following year. Then uh, I think he got, he got into the grid league more, but so Justin and I go a long ways back. We've, we've always kept in touch and such. So then uh, he's been working with, was working with Carrie and she, I mean, he was he contacted me one day and just said, listen, she needs, we need, you got to get her clean up. we got to get her front squad up. She's just been stuck. It hasn't moved from these these numbers just haven't moved and uh so like, yeah, bring her up so she came up we went over a bunch of stuff and uh worked with her all the way up leading into the games so i mean she actually i think uh pierre to front squat this year which was like the first time in like two years or something like that uh and just just everything make tweaks everywhere she understands that it's a long game too so it's not like she's like wow well, i'm not getting better faster she knows it's gonna take time to it and uh, she's been working with her. I've been giving her all her weightlifting program leading up to the games. Uh, Justin was doing all of her CrossFit stuff. Her running coach was taking care of all all the the running aspect of everything. So, we, it was it was a good team. We everyone we worked well together. And tried to I, I bounced ideas off of Justin and, and vice versa, and uh, just tried to apply it to to get her moving and get her to where she can do as best as uh, as best as she can. And yeah, yeah. It, I think a really good thing, uh, for, especially for the, all the front squat work that we that I gave her or things to make her front squat better, rather, I think really helped because when they did that, the max front squat workout in the, uh, the qualifier, I mean, Justin was like, Oh, come on, you gotta be kidding me. Of have all the things you're going to pick. This is what she's going to get. So, um, and obviously she didn't, she didn't squat the best of all the girls, but what she did do was just, with just not to say damage control type of deal, but it was, it, she, she did what she had to do to let her, uh, let her, um, dumb blanking words it's she advanced. did what she had to do to sal- to let all of her strengths in the other workouts not be pulled down by it so yeah it, it was it was great it really worked out great squat so when, when then, you were uh, looking at
0: her third- her front squat like her numbers her history maybe yeah. even her current technique what stood out to you where you're like okay this is the route we need to go to lead us to that pr or to be able to not allow this lift should it come up as an event because you didn't even know that's actually just yeah. like it's so um it's, it's so ironic that it came up uh, yeah. but to not have it drag her other performances down what stood out to you
1: um in, in terms to like what to how to make her front squat better or
0: or just the, like like if you're looking at her front squat and you're like okay yeah this is the limiting factor in either her technique or this is where she's lacking strength and this is where i'm going to formulate my plan to get it better
1: Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's just a lot. It just a lot of it was structural, uh, a lot of just structural issues that had to be uh, resolved, or worked on to to get that to improve. And if she can get that to improve, then that will lead into her clean technique getting better. To, so then she can capitalize on uh, on her just incredible ability to split jerk. I don't know if you've seen any of the split jerks she's done, but that's split jerking's her best lift. I mean, she, anything that she gets on her chest, she can jerk. I mean, she she was even doing some. Like three front squats in a jerk, and uh, the front squats would be very hard, and the jerk would be effortless. I mean, she's done one, I think 130. So, I mean, for someone of her size and weight, that's incredibly impressive.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, have you talked uh, to her about getting into a weightlifting meet? Oh, she's competed before. Yeah. She, oh, she has. All
1: right. She did one, uh, I think, two years ago when she was living in the city. she, They moved out to Vegas now, but uh, when she was living in the city, she competed at Lost Battalion. Very cool uh and i remember one saying oh man um yeah she did that but you know her her bread and butter is crossfit so that's that's what we got to keep the focus at i mean it's it's her livelihood and arbitrary to to that for the time
0: now when when you say structural are you saying you know like uh maybe you know uh uh, she's kind of losing posture during the lift uh, mm-hmm. She needs to get, get deeper, spend more time in the bottom position, spend more time standing tall. What little things did you change? If you can let us under the hood, so to say, uh, what would the program kind of look like? Uh, well, she, she need first off, I mean, like anything, in weightlifting, you need to have
1: flexibility. So, I mean, if you don't have requisite flexibility, it's going to be very difficult to achieve the positions that are going to allow you to be successful. So being that she was a, a, a gymnast through her younger years in college, Michigan state, I mean, the amount of times she's, that was actually one of the first things I asked her, knowing their backgrounds like so many times you roll your ankles and she's like, oh gosh, uh, countless. So because of that, she's just got tons of scar tissue that are in her ankles that limit the range of motion that she has. So because of the range of motion lim- limitations, they are coupled with the, I mean, everything's kind of sport oriented. So coupled with tightness that she has in her upper body. Uh, and weakness in her upper back they all just none of it lent to her being able to have a decent position to be able to front squat correctly so worked a lot on her range of motion she had her her, her therapist working a lot more to help like free up some of the scar tissue that she had and then just tons of accessory exercise that showed her stretches that she had to do to get her rack position better Um, tons of like types of tons of upper back work to get more flexible with it but to also get it stronger at the same time so she can support herself better. That was really it. I mean, it was almost like, um, it was almost not even more front squatting in as much as doing things that would help her be able to front squat better. So yeah, <laughs> it re- really wasn't it, like, really nothing novel per se. Well,
0: it's like the, the way it kind of sounds to me is like she has such incredible athletic ability and advanced mm-hmm. strength and an engine you just yeah. have to put her on the right tracks, you know. Like, like yeah. if she's a train, her her tracks are slightly off, or the the wheels of the train are slightly off the track. You just have to realign it so she can express all of that better.
1: Yeah, that, that's really. And it's like anybody. I mean, how people develop from whatever circumstances and situations or sports they had done previously, it has effects on that. And then weightlifting itself is it demands very particular. Uh, very particular things out of the body in terms of flexibility and strength that really nothing else develops or prepares you for. And you spend, let's say 10, 15 years of, especially during your developmental phase as a, from adolescence into adulthood, uh, a lot of those changes or a lot of of how, what you do during that time become long lasting. And then when you try to uh, essentially do a, uh, an extreme reversal of a sport that's predominantly upper body and shoulder oriented to a, a sport that's predominantly leg and back oriented, there are going to be some major uh, developmental differences that need to be ironed out.
0: Yeah. How did you, I'm assuming you're working on her strength and also like the flexibility and and limiting factors, but you're probably also working maybe, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Mm -hmm. snatch and clean and jerk technique or working on those lifts at all. Mm -hmm. How did you integrate all of that into her daily workload? Because as a CrossFit Games athlete, I imagine you know she's got her running coach. She's working yeah. gymnastics and metcons. How did you fit that in without giving her too much?
1: Uh, By just give, giving her just enough, <laughs> kind of like I was saying earlier when you were asking about uh, the athletes coming back into the gym. Is just just keep things short and sweet. It doesn't need to be. She doesn't. You don't need to do a lot to facilitate change. You just need to do the right things consistently and, and do them well at the same time. So it's just really, and, and, and so too uh, with that for is, you know, weightlifting's, it's a long game. You can't, you can't expedite things. You can't do more days or more workouts to make up for months and years. So there's some stuff where you just have to accept that, you know, put into consideration everything else that she's doing, and that's going to take back from her. So just put it just give her enough to where you can get a little bit out of it, a little bit out of it. And then, uh, just hope that well, not even hope, but, allow it to accrue over time more gradually instead of trying to really ramrod it
0: through were you having uh talks and you know communicating with her other coaches like hey we're going to be doing this on this day so yeah leading affect up well, the running or something
1: well so basically her weightlifting days that she had so justin took care of most of her strength work uh i did I mean, and that's kind of relative. So the way it worked out, she would do most of her lifting on Tuesday and Wednesday. She did a lot of her squats on Monday. So what she did on Tuesday and Wednesday and how I structured that was based off of what she did on that Monday. So, um, and then learning her, learning how she recovers, how she responds to certain things that helped me also develop that plan. So, um, and Saturdays too, she did weightlifting on Saturday. So I I, I would direct everything off of what she had done in the other workouts, but then also try to use Saturdays like a little bit heavier every day. Um, so I really, I didn't think in the, in the preliminary phases or the, the, the preparatory phase, I, I would say didn't have, didn't go, Justin gave me a lot of free reign to do however I saw fit when it was the month prior to her going out to California then he and I we, we spoke I we wrote down a full detailed plan of approaching everything because I mean at that point a month away it's really just trying to throttle what she's doing to just not not let her I mean you can't gain anything at that point it's just try to manage it to where she can just kind of pick a little bit and maintain what she has so I we he and I sat down and we went over everything I drafted a full plan leading up to that and he just employed it and and there really wasn't that much weightlifting in it, but at the same time, you don't know what's going to be. So uh, that's, that's really how we worked that out.
0: It sounds like a good way to kind of organize everything, especially yeah. with so many cooks in the kitchen. So to say, you can yeah. easily step on someone's toes or overdo it. When, when you saw the events, uh, did you, you know, w- were you involved in kind of any of the, uh, the technique or the, uh, the strategy conversations? Like, let's say with these snatch speed ladder, were you like, Hey, yeah. When you get to that third rep, you know you should think about this, or how, how did how did that all play down go down?
1: Oh yeah, no, I definitely when that came out, then I, I text Justin, I messaged her, and just kind of went over like gave her gave her a couple things to think of, but nothing crazy. Told him how to how I would approach it from a coach's perspective, and um, that that's yeah a little bit of strategy, knowing her habits and her traits to try to help. That then bonehead goes out there and misses the. Uh, <laughs> easy lift that she shouldn't have had any trouble with. Like that's, that's what I told you and warned you about. But
0: what, what uh, was the thing that you warned about? What, what was your coach's perspective? Just
1: like anything with CrossFit, just rushing, rushing gets everybody. So knowing uh, just to maintain that for rush. if she rushes and loses her star position, then that's going to put her behind the eight ball really. So just tried to really be focused or be attentive to not letting that happen. But I mean, it's, it's, again, there's only some, you could you, excuse me you can only do the best you can especially when it's i mean snatch speed ladder (laughs) there's only so much speed you can have or so much attentiveness you can have while you're trying to evoke speed between
0: yeah racing through a bunch of heavy snatches against other people plus it's like your x number event of the weekend you know
1: Mm -hmm. yeah so i mean it didn't really i in the end it didn't really hurt hinder her i mean it would have it would have helped her. But then again, on the last workout where she just, where she dusted everybody, that was, that was crazy. So I think that's a testament that right there, even though like, even it was a mainly running event is a testament of what it's like to work with her as a, as a coach to where like what she gave right there for that, for the last workout was what she gives during training sessions. Not to say that she's killing herself during every training session, but the mental fortitude and focus that she has and the dedication, that's, that's what you've experienced with her every session.
0: Yeah. I, I know she finished that workout and she sat on the floor and the camera was in her face and she's like, I like that workout versus yeah. most people are probably like that workout was death and I never want to do that again. You know? <laughs> yeah. Heck when when know. that workout came out, I was like, she's going to win this. Like she was yeah. my pick. That was her and yeah, butter.
1: That was, that was awesome. So I mean, we'll see right now. She's just taking time off recovering as she should be. And uh, we'll just see what next year brings.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're going to still keep working with her and working on the little strength things and, and
1: yeah, just just keep trying to push even more to improve what she needs to improve. So probably when uh, training resumes again, have a sit down, go over everything and uh, try to develop a new strategy to just keep pushing her where, uh, where she needs to be work on the weak links. So then that way you can keep, keep raising the floor. So that way it just makes her ceiling that much higher.
0: Yeah. And it's nice that she's so accommodating to the training process and Mm -hmm. receiving feedback. You know, she's obviously a professional, you know, in everything that she's doing. I know a lot of people who would like to be professionals, you Mm -hmm. know, like that's they don't maybe see that aspect of it. They just see the performances and think, well, all I have to do is the lifting. I just have Mm -hmm. to do snatches, clean jerks and squats at nauseam and go heavy all the time but I'm not going to put as much effort into my nutrition, my mindset, my recovery. Uh, What kind of conversations do you have with people when you're like, all right, you have to eat today, but they just won't eat, you know, eat food and they're dying in training. Uh, How do you get someone to finally take those steps and to see that aspect of their training as just as important?
1: Well, I'd say, you know, weightlifting is very tough sport in that regard. And, and just like anything, else, weightlifting is a great metaphor for life. I say this all the time. My podcast always try to relate things to it because, I mean, yeah, there are the physical aspects, but it's the one sport you can't compare yourself to anybody else because you're not everybody else and it's only you. So the only thing that you could do is just do better for yourself. And ultimately, doing better for yourself is solely predicated on how, how much and how bad you want it. So, I mean, I'm never going to be an Olympic champion, but that doesn't mean that I can't utilize, utilize this as a tool to better my, my mental outlook, better, uh, better myself in every other aspect of my life through discipline, through dedication, through focus, and then achieve the results that I achieve for myself on the platform. So, I mean, it, and that's, that's what most, most everybody has a hard time with that. I mean, it's very few people, or I'm sorry, a vast majority of people, they say that, oh, I, I could do that. I have, this. it was like, you don't have it. The amount of people that say, maybe I've, I've come through my gym and just that haven't lasted for whatever reason, or wondering why they make the same mistakes it's like listen it's not for I mean, at least I'd like to think at this point it's not because of uh, let's say in, in lack of experience or inability to coach you on it because I mean that's immediately contradicted by the other people who have achieved success in are making improvements uh, and, but it's solely it's predicated upon how again how bad someone's willing to push and be uncomfortable. Like I tell everyone all the time, even when learning technique and some stuff that if you're in a comfort posi- and it goes for mental too, if you're comfortable, you're not in the right position. If you're uncomfortable, that's where you want to be. So if you're physically uncomfortable when you're getting set, you're physically uncomfortable in ways when you're lifting, then that's where you're going to find progress. And it's not like uncomfortable in the sense of like, let's say, being hazardous or injurious to you. It's just the, the, the difficult, you're pushing through barriers that are either physical or mental limitations. Like the uncomfortableness of maintaining your technique and not wanting to just yank your arms when you're going to snatch a heavier weight because, oh, it's heavier and just want to employ that. The uncomfortable part is doing what your brain's doing, the opposite of what your brain's telling you to do. And that's forcing yourself to maintain the same technique, forcing yourself to be patient, to go through positions that you should trust in. So um, that's, I mean, all around, that's that's weightlifting. Weightlifting is just, it's a mental game and how bad you want it and how bad you're willing to push yourself for it.
0: Yeah, I, I was just having this conversation with someone the other day, who was um, kind of getting pulled to their toes a lot and hopping forward mm-hmm. on their snatches. And I'm like, we got to get your weight back a little bit more. And we need you to stick with the pull to the yeah. point where it feels weird. Like, like right mm-hmm. now, you're you're used to hot, you know, just pull yeah. early and jumping forward. I want you to do this next lift. And I want you to stay with the pull for such an abnormally for you amount of time that yeah. it doesn't feel right. And then I want you to do the snatch, and then yeah, problem solved. It was we had we have to go into the uncomfortable aspect of it. Yeah, so why Danny is weightlifting maybe different than other sports like maybe like CrossFit. Why won't weightlifters eat food, Danny?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, I yeah, I know I'm guilty of that too sometimes. I guess perhaps, but I'm really not sure. <laughs> I don't get, you'd think they want to eat all the time and eat nonstop. I guess that comes to maybe a point of uh, a little bit of uh, just the fact that weightlifters are maniacs and by either don't want, to, don't want to get fat or whatever mental component that they have where they just feel that, oh, I eh, I'm not gonna eat enough or I want to I be lean or something. I, I really have no idea. I remember Gary Valentine at one meeting, he and I were talking about it and it, there's something that came up. I think he was eating a donut which or whatever. And he said the same thing as you know, can't wait. It's like, I tell you, eat, go up a weight class. Come on. No one wants to eat. Everybody's got to eat. So I don't get it. I really don't have an answer for it. I think, I mean, it gets tough and uncomfortable. And again, that comes back to what I was just saying a moment ago. It's when you're, when you, it's harder to, to eat a lot of food than it is to eat a little bit of food. And it's easier to be hungry than it is to be full. And, you know, I mean, if you like after Thanksgiving, I mean, think about like how much you eat on a Thanksgiving day or a day, where, whatever, where you, where you eat a lot of food. Uh, I mean, to basically to gain weight and pro- to apply that to weightlifting, not only do you have to eat that much food, but then two hours later, you got to be eating that again. I mean, when you're that uncomfortable, it's like, oh, God, I don't even have I can't even think of swallowing another bite, let alone trying to have another meal. And it's just it's just what you're willing to push
0: yourself through for that. Yeah, it's it's a weird phenomenon. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you experience it from time to time. Mm-hmm. Lifter comes in for oh, a training yeah. session, it's the end of the evening, and you're like, Well, so what'd you have to eat today? Like, that's normally a normal converse, part of the conversation. I want to know, mm-hmm. like, are you feeling yourself? And like, oh, I haven't eaten anything today. And I'm like, now I don't know how this is gonna go. You know, like we have yeah, we have serious work to do, and you're gonna be feeling it. And no,
1: I I, I experience that all the time. Like even I- Hmm.
0: Oh, you broke up a little bit.
1: Yeah. It's like, I, I experienced that for myself days when I don't, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. D- days for myself where I know I don't eat enough. I feel during the training session, uh, a couple people, like, like they're having a terrible session. Like, well, how much do you eat today? I'm like, oh, I, actually, I do not really eat that much. It's like, well, there you go. And I have one kid who comes in. I give him guff all the time because he's just, these adolescent and, you know, adolescent, he could eat, you know, 2000, two, uh, I'm sorry, 20,000 calories a day and his body will just burn through it. But he's he's eating like what I at least says he eats a lot, but I don't think he knows what a lot actually is. He eats like, you know, little snacks and things like that. that he considers meals. It's like, dude, you gotta, you gotta put food down. You can go, you should be having a full pizza a day with in conjunction with everything else that you're eating. So you got to put it in.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's like I said, it's a weird phenomena in this sport, at least that I'm noticing Mm -hmm. crossfitters seem to be very on top of nutrition and fueling your body everything's down with that yeah i don't get it well you know what we need to do danny what's that we need to have a team meet where there's embedded eating challenges within it as well somehow that's actually
1: like, a great yeah
0: <laughs> yeah like like we do a snatch session followed by you know like all right everyone's got 20 piece chicken nugget who can eat it the fastest and everyone just throws <laughs> down nuggets then we take a, a little bit of a break to digest and then we hit the clean jerks and then we're gonna do something else, you know, cookies. I don't know, like, like yeah. my mind is going to junk foods, but because they're the easiest ones, and we're getting in a lot of calories. But then after yeah. that, like you said, we barbecue. So I think mm-hmm. food needs to be integrated in weightlifting competition for to be yeah, taken I like seriously.
1: I think that's a great idea. Powerlifters are very good at it. They they understand all. I mean, one guy who's training with me now, he used to powerlift. Now he really wants to focus on the lifts. But I mean, in terms of let's say what he did and how he would approach eating for his training. I mean, eating was his training more than squatting and pulling. And, and it made all the difference for him. The kid's super, super strong. And that's what you got to eat. I mean, I say that. And meanwhile, you know, here <laughs> nip nipping on blueberries or something like that. So it's like, <laughs> you know, I got to take my own advice on it, but no, it's, you, you have to, you have to put food down for this sport. I mean, because you, you just need excess to recover. Don't worry about body composition. I mean, you you know when you're going too crazy, but you know, most people don't and the training, especially how most people seem to train you do more than enough, you really need to get a lot more in you to be able
0: to really facilitate proper recovery. Yeah, I mean, I I wonder if maybe part of it is that, you know, training is hard, but like, when when you're doing snatches and stuff, it's not as like, you know, beat down and grinding as if you were Mm -hmm. doing, you know, like, like tons of wall balls and pull ups and other things. So maybe people, people finish and they're like, well, I, I don't feel like I, murdered myself. So I'm not going to eat a lot, but I think we need to raise our levels up to other sports. You know, like Mm -hmm. if, if, if bodybuilders are eating more and more organized with their nutrition, weightlifters got to step it up here.
1: Yeah. Especially be with all the, uh, the neural fatigue that weightlifters experience. So that's a, that's a big component. You have to be able to, your nervous system's got to (laughs) recover and that's, that's a big thing. So eat, give your body everything that it needs, give it more than it needs. Enjoy it.
0: All right. Well, it's decided. We're gonna have a team competition, and um, eat donuts. <laughs> donuts after every lift. You hit a lift, you eat a donut. You hit a lift, you eat a donut. If you throw up, all right, eat another donut. Like we'll just make it happen somehow. Throw
1: up, eat two donuts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We got to replace the one you lost.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Now you're down. You got a deficit. You got to make it up.
0: Awesome. Well, Danny, this has been great talking to you today. You know, I uh, I, I knew. Uh, when the IWF stuff came up, I'm like, I gotta talk to Danny Casey about this. <laughs> He's very insightful on on all things, you know, bureaucracies and governments, and it's been <laughs> great to talk all uh, about weightlifting. I don't know
1: most people like my opinions on that, but I appreciate the uh, you considering me for it, and I'm glad to. Be, I mean, I always enjoy being on here. So, well, you forward. know the
0: the important part that is to get all opinions out there. And, to, yeah. um, and to, to have these conversations, like someone from USAW could hear certain aspects of this and not like it, but yeah. hey, it, it all needs to be talked about and they yeah. need to consider it's all true. viewpoints. That's well, how we'll grow. It, it,
1: yeah. Whether you agree or disagree, them, you have to consider it because it's still, it's a perspective and you don't know what shaped someone's perspective. You don't know what put them in that position. And it's something to be considered, whether no matter what prejudice or bias that you may have against it, even if you think they're wrong.
0: And one could argue, maybe part of the reason that, you know, some of these governing bodies are in so much trouble is because they haven't gotten enough perspectives, and they just have a very limited view, and a bunch of yes people, and oh, there sure. you go, know, there's a sport.
1: When you, when you have, uh, when you get a, a mo- monolithic group or a monolithic entity, and uh, everyone's just self-serving, there's there's going to be no open door to
0: anything outside of that. Definitely. And that's not the way to go. Well, no, Danny, not uh, any closing thoughts for the people listening uh, any words of encouragement and also where can people follow you and and your gym and all of your antics well it's funny you
1: should say that you can follow me on uh, the gym's Instagram at NY underscore weightlifting underscore academy uh, my, my personal one Danny underscore Casey and uh, let's see what else do I have I've have got YouTube I got a, a podcast that I do where I just kind of spew a word vomit out to everybody and hope that everyone digested accordingly no traps no glory you could find that on youtube and i saw it you were
0: by the fire on a recent episode that was
1: pretty cool fireside chat we are (laughs) we have we did a couple episodes on that one it was good so it's saturday night the weather was beautiful so if we go outside film a little bit and have fire chill out and get pizza Uh, it it was a nice time it's nice to do that so I, I, i took a a bit of a hiatus for really no explainable reason whatsoever um during a lot of the quarantine stuff we just i don't know why so i it was like we got to get back going again we've been slacking too long so it's nice to be back but uh yeah we just just keep moving so that's where people can find me there and uh you also find me at the gym whoever's in the area i encourage them to come down train my door's always open everybody's welcome if they're looking for a place to lift
0: so uh
1: in person's always good
0: too yeah uh, look up pictures of the gym you have a phenomenal gym it's an authentic weightlifting gym i think people You know, when when they hear gym, I think most people think of a CrossFit gym these days with pull-up bars and things like that. But your gym is a whole nother animal. There's kilo plates left and right. There's Mm -hmm. nice barbells. There's platforms and uh, racks and stuff like that. So it's a weightlifter's paradise. Thank you. I like to consider it. So I wanted to make it that. And uh, I think I've achieved it so far. So I appreciate it. I would say so, too. All right. Well, for those listening, make sure you follow the Barbell Strikes Back. Follow me, James A. McDermott on Instagram as well. Danny, thank you for coming on. And everyone, thank you for listening.
1: Dude, thanks so much. Appreciate it.